to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 178. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me right now. He is back home in Las Vegas, the steaming hot Las Vegas, Nevada right now, waiting for summer to get over. I'm telling you, man, when I left earlier this week, it's still like 100 degrees at midnight, man. It is brutal. Ready for summer to get over, man. Better days are coming. I, meanwhile, am in Lincoln, Nebraska for UFC Fight Night 135. Gaethje versus Vic. Hanging out at the uh, host hotel right now, the beautiful Lincoln Marriott Corn Husker Hotel, downtown Lincoln, Nebraska, just around the corner from the uh, the state capitol, just around the corner from uh, the University of Nebraska as well. So kind of a college town, a, a small town to uh, to say the least. I actually flew into Omaha. And uh, and drove here from Omaha. Took a took an Uber rather from Omaha, and uh, thought I was going to be kind of like ridiculous. And bottom line, I was just being a mileage whore, man. I wanted to be on American Airlines and get my miles and get my upgrades because I'm a mileage whore like that. But a lot of other people did the same thing. This is a, a really small airport here, and so the uh, the the cities that or the the number of flights that you have available in the cities you can fly from, not a lot of big choices. So. Uh, yeah, actually flew into uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and then took about an hour Uber up here to uh, to Lincoln. So it's a small town. It's definitely been a little bit quiet here in the downtown area. The students are just making their way back to school, I guess. Unfortunately, not here for a football weekend. We're right around the corner from the big stadium, huge stadium. Of course, uh, I don't think Nebraska quite the powerhouse that they were at one time. I remember when I was a kid, it was a, a, a solid football program, of course, and I guess fun fact that uh, has been verified when that stadium, which I think the stadium holds around 100,000 people or so, uh, and when it's full to capacity, that stadium alone would qualify as the third biggest city in the state of Nebraska. So uh, pretty crazy to put that in perspective. And uh, a little personal tie here to Lincoln. My granny was born in Lincoln. She is uh since left this world, but she was a huge part of, uh, of my upbringing, to say the least. So... Uh, Shout out to Granny. Happy I could be here. Uh, beautiful weather here in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's been a uh, a good week so far. Uh, sitting down on a Thursday night, as we always do to do the MMA Roadshow. Turnout has been good. Local media, we had, you know, I came in on Wednesday, did uh, did some interviews. Uh, all those are up on on YouTube. If you want to check those out, they're up on MMA Junkie as well. Um, but did did a handful of interviews. Uh, sat down with uh, eight different fighters. Um, and so that was just me kind of rolling. So then today, this morning was the media day, and I'll be honest, I I really wasn't expecting a huge turn a turnout. I mean, this is again a, a rather small town, but um, hey, there were probably uh, a good six six or seven cameras maybe at the at the media day today. Um, a little bit of traveling media. None of the, none of the national sites other than us are here, but um, some some traveling media from the areas uh, surrounding areas, and then the locals showed up as well. So. Um, definitely nice to see the turnout. They were certainly most interested in Jake Ellenberger, uh, and uh, by proxy, I guess Brian Barberina as well. Um, got kind of a lengthy scrum also because he's fighting him. But um, you know, Jake's the Jake's the local boy, so they're certainly always looking for the local ties. I mean, they definitely spoke to Justin Gaethje and, and James Vick as well. 
Um, but their their keen interest was in Jake Gellenberger. So a big draw uh, here for him. We'll talk more about that fight later. But um, good turnout by the local media. So that's been interesting to see. Uh, the arena that we're, that we're going to be at, uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena, of course, this is the first time for the UFC in Lincoln. So I, I've never set foot in that facility. Um, but it's it's only five years old. It's it's uh, I guess you know built as primarily the home of the, uh, the the basketball team here, but of course does you know concerts and whatever else as well. But uh, a big building, man. It seats you know a good fifteen thousand people or so. Uh, it's only five years old, so uh, you know modern amenities. So uh, anxious to get in there and check it out. But um, as far as you know attendance and that sort of thing is what we're expecting. Uh, you know it, it's going to be one of those lower bowl only type shows. Um, you know, it's kind of what you expect on, on fight nights. It's interesting, man. You know, the, the UFC does like to play these big venues, but, you know, for fight night events, they're not expecting to go in there and sell 10, 12, 14, 16,000 tickets. So they, they scale down the building a little bit wisely as you should, but, uh, it is interesting. You know, you, you compare and contrast, you know, it's, it's fun to go back and forth between the promotions, but when you see, you know, Bellator's frame of mind, you know, they'd rather play a 3000 seat venue and sell it out. You know, and have it look good on TV, and ha- you know maybe have the costs a little bit lower of not having that big venue. Uh, whereas the UFC likes to play the bigger venues. Of course, you know the bigger venues will 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 pay money, or, or you know at least uh, offer some concessions to the UFC because uh, it, you know it is such a, a you know a high visibility tenant. Uh, you know, you look at like. Uh, you know, going to to Moncton or whatever. I mean, why did the UFC pick Moncton? Because it's a brand new venue, and and I'm sure there was some kind of deal between the city or the venue itself. And and th- these are things that happen behind the scenes that that we often don't think about as as mixed martial arts fans and how the UFC or any other promotion for that matter picks out their schedule. So uh, kind of interesting to see. But that's kind of w- what the expectations are. Sounds like the, the the local interest has been pretty good so far this week. But definitely don't expect, uh, you know, 15,000 people to be in there on Saturday night. It's a fight night crowd, and uh, they're expecting a fight night crowd. Uh, listen, uh, let's just get into media today, all right? Uh, Justin Gaethje, first of all, uh, the, the interview, uh, <laughs> I did speak to him, and if, if you want to go check it out, now I may be, maybe I'm being a little uh, self-conscious or, or, or worried but go check out the interview uh, the, 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 if you want that uh, him and I did together. Here's what happened. I get to meet. I get to uh, Lincoln. My 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 room's not ready yet. I get here first thing in the morning, so I just go to the press room. You know, I still got all my luggage and everything, and I sit down, and I and I and I just kind of hang out and finish up my notes and finish up some emails and stuff like that. Anyway, Justin Gaethje comes in. Now it's not our time to talk. We're not supposed to talk for another four hours or so. Um, but he walks in. And he's got some radio interviews to do with some other people. And, uh, you know, I'm hey, Justin, how you doing? And first thing he says to me is, John Morgan, picking James Vick. I'm going to knock him out just for you. Just for you. I'm going to knock him out. You know, kind of being a little little sarcastic or what have you. And, uh, you know, but in good spirits. Definitely in good spirits. He was smiling and laughing. And he gave some great interviews on the radio, which were, which were awesome. You know, he was talking about... Uh, you know, everything under the sun, how much he likes to golf, how much he likes to, to, to go to the casinos and gamble a little bit and have some fun. And, you know, that's a perfect day for him as a, you know, maybe morning on the golf course and afternoon in, in the casinos. So anyway, he's in good spirits, right? Well, he comes back to see me a few hours later and I, I, I still think he's in good spirits, but I think he was a little upset with me. I, th- I, I think he was a little standoffish. I think he, he was, uh, not necessarily wanting to talk to me. I mean, didn't, didn't, didn't protest, you know. He was polite about it, but I felt like he might have had a little chip on his shoulder. And and I'll be honest, I, I did pick against him in our staff picks, but 
our staff picks don't even get published until Friday morning. So I don't know. I did a couple interviews and maybe heard something or saw something else. Or Cold Coffee brought this up. Maybe he was just bluffing me. We know he likes to go to the casinos. He talked about it. Maybe he was just bluffing me to see, like, oh, I bet you're picking against me. And I, and I was, and I was honest, because I don't see any reason to lie to him. But maybe he was just bluffing me, and then I gave in to him, and I gave him I gave him the intel that he was looking for, and that's when he got the chip on his shoulder. I don't know. <laughs> but I think Justin was a little bit mad at me. But I love this fight, man. I really do love this fight. Justin Gaethje uh, is, you know, as anybody knows that's, that's been listening to this podcast for a long time or just has, has you know, stayed in touch. I, man, I, I love Justin Gaethje. His World Series of Fighting run, I mean, I thought he was must-watch television back then, and now he's facing the sports best on the highest stage. And, and yes, he's come up short a couple of times. But, dude, when he's in there, you want to see him fight. And that's why, even on two losses, you, you give him a main event. And nobody – did, did did anyone protest? I sure didn't. I didn't hear any protests whatsoever. And uh, I, I, that's why he's in this position. But you can tell, I, I think – I think he's – I don't want to say on edge. Uh, you know, I, I think he's tired of answering the questions. I think he's tired of answering, you know, what about these losses. I think he's tired of hearing about will you change your style. I think he's tired of hearing about all that. And I think he really wants to win. You know, he really, really wants to win here. And in the past, you know, he said, hey, I'm a prize fighter. I'm here to make money. But, you know, he wants to he wants to be a champion as well. And I think he realizes this is this is a very important fight. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I want you to hear um, the media day scrum. Now, it's still a lot of my questions. Again, there there was some local media, which was a good turnout. But, you know, they don't know the sport that, that well. They're there to really just kind of collect, uh, you know, quotes and that sort of thing and just use what they can. Uh, so it's, it's mainly my questions. Um, but I, I want you to hear a little bit uh, here of Justin Gaethje and what he had to say today at media day. Well, Justin, I know you're not a big fan of, uh, of James as a, as, a, as a person and some of the things he says. What about as a fighter? I mean, are there things that you look at him that, that you admire? No, I don't admire anything about his fighting style. Uh, point fighter, uh, constantly going backwards. But, you know, right now he's ranked number 10 in the UFC, so he's definitely a – it's going to be a big challenge for me. i got to go out there. i got to get a W, uh, be a little bit more patient than normal, pick my shots. Uh, he doesn't like to get hit. He's – he gets hit going backwards, and that's the worst way to get hit. So when I do touch him, he's gonna he's gonna feel it. He's gonna not like it. Do you feel like there's anything that he does specifically that you do have to concern yourself with that you have to watch out for the position you don't want to be in, or you know? Yeah, he's got good darts chokes, good uh, guillotine chokes. I don't need to stick my neck in there uh, and you know get caught one of those. And I know you're talking about you know being a little more patient, but I gotta ask you if you had the choice of going in there one punch knockout and being done in ten seconds. Or having a back and forth five round brawl like like we know you can, and walking away with a hundred thousand dollars in bonus checks, which one would you do? I'll take the one punch knockout and take my fifty grand and be happy with that. If he can last eight minutes, he gets fifty grand too. Is it, is it easier to get motivated for a fight uh, after all the trash talking compared to previous times when you fought Alvarez and Dustin? No, you know, I'm a I'm a competitor and I've lost two in a row, so I don't need any extra motivation right now. I need to go out there and I need to. Prove to myself, prove to prove to the world that I, you know, Eddie Alvarez. Just I can't say it enough. The two of the best in the world uh, in the lightweight division. I was right there. Um, you know, my life would life would be a lot different right now if I, you know, if I got those W's. But I did not. That's the way uh, the way it goes. And I'm, you know, content with the way those fights went. Um, those are the way I wanted to fight those fights. Those are the game plan I went in to fight those fights. 
uh, with those guys. So yeah, I mean, I I don't regret anything I've done. Um, yeah, I could have taken them down maybe once or twice, but I, again, this isn't the this isn't the fight to go out there and again stick my neck stick my neck in there and you know get Dars choked or even get stuck in that position. That being said, does your uh, does your fighting style change at all, or do you need more of a wrestling going into this? No, I'm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I have no idea. I go in there. I mean, I'm definitely gonna put pressure on him. I'm gonna pressure him with my feet. I don't necessarily need to to throw as much, but I'm gonna pressure him with my feet. He's gonna be constantly going backwards, which is a given um, with James. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be a tough fight. A uh, tough fight to to figure out. Uh, you know, I gotta go in there. I gotta figure it out at the beginning. I'm not gonna go in there and uh, yeah. You know, six foot three. It's not something normal. It's not something I'm used to. So it will be something I need to go out there. I need to fill it out and uh, figure it out. How do you train for six foot three? Do you, uh, you train with a lot of big guys. Yeah, I mean, a lot of 85ers, a lot of 70s, a lot of 70 pounders. I uh, went to Vegas for a week, trained with Extreme Couture. I've uh, been training with the uh, Elevation Fight Team uh, in Denver. So, you know, they got Neil Magny. They got uh, a bunch of tall guys there. I guess in any of your fights so far, like you're wrestling, you're All-American, you know, you got UNC and you haven't you know you're in straight boxing go for the knockout yeah i mean i used is after these losses to eddie and dustin i know against michael and knocked him out but does your mindset and your your thought process in the ring change a little bit as you enter this fight as far as um you know not having maybe your chin out there a little bit as much and going for that knockout right away i never have my chin out there i mean um if i am going to take a punch i'm you know i'm aiming to take it on the forehead um but I've used my wrestling in every single fight. Um, every single one of those guys tried to take me down, and they couldn't. Um, you know, I scramble. I scrambled out of each and every takedown that they attempted. Um, yeah, so that's what I do. That's how I wrestled. Okay, and I mean, if some wrestlers depend on ground pound a little more. I mean, do you see yourself um, maybe thinking that? No idea. Possibility. I don't know, guys. It's a fight. You guys, if you've ever been in there, you if you have a lot of plans, then you're an idiot because shit will hit the fan real quick. Um, especially when you're you're counting on something and it doesn't happen, then what do you do? You know, do you, do you have a plan B? Do you have a plan C? It's too much thinking. I go in there, I react, I fight off my reactions. I believe my timing is the best, um, and yeah, that's what that's what I fight off of intuition. I've trained my whole life for this. Four years old, I started training. Uh, you know. In hindsight, for this, for August twenty fifth, first James Vick, uh, the last two fights I can't, you know, can't harp on it enough. There, I was right there. I had a both hurt. I had a bolt on the ropes. Um, you know, I just became complacent in my position. I thought I had him uh, more hurt than I guess I did. Um, Dustin, like I said, I went out there. I tried to, you know, coming off the stool in the fourth round. I was like, I just got to kick this guy two or three more times, and he's done. And you know, I, I forgot that I'm fighting the best in the world. I didn't forget, but um, became complacent. That's Justin Gaethje breaking things down before his fight. And I tell you what, man, as we're getting close to his fight, now again, if you want to watch the one-on-one -on -one interview I had with him, that's on YouTube. It's, it's on Image Junkie as well. Um, but listening to him yesterday, listening to him today, um, I I don't think he's going to change his approach at all in this fight. Um, you know, he does say be, be a little bit more cautious, a little bit more patient, so maybe that counts as a change. But, you know, everybody's saying, is he going to wrestle more? Is he going to wrestle more? I don't think so. You know, with him saying, uh, you know, specifically, look, this isn't the fight to go out there and stick my neck out and get darsed. Um, 
I, I just don't think that he's going to try to implement a, a heavy wrestling style. And, and again, he talks about how James Vick is always backing up and, and is a point fighter and, and isn't looking to engage. You know, it sounds to me like Justin's going to be aggressive, like he feels like he's going to have to push forward, that he's going to have to kind of make the fight happen, so to speak. So uh, I don't think we're going to see changes from Justin Gaethje like everybody is thinking. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't down the road, and that doesn't mean that he can't win with his style because his leg kicks are nasty, his power is, is, is impressive, and, you know, if he can get Justin – or, excuse me, if he can get James uh, to back up, you know, to the fence or what have you and, and, and unleash. I mean, there's a lot of things that Justin Gaethje can do here. He's dangerous. He's dangerous. And this fight is a 50-50 fight to me, man. It really is. I, I ended up leaning towards James Vick and our staff picks. But I was torn. But I was torn. So, but if you're if you're still trying to break it down, if you're still weighing it out in your head – you know, it, it looks like that she's, you know, not willing to, to change anything in, in in terms of the wrestling. And I think, you know, while he may have kind of suggested that he would to some degree, I think he's now committed to the fact that, you know, tipping his hand a little bit and saying he's not. So I do love the fact, too, that he admits, hey, man, if I do get punched, I'm trying to take it on the forehead. You know, he said that before, but I love that. And it's true, man. If you can get punched in the forehead, you know, it's not the chin. It doesn't knock you out. It can certainly cost some equilibrium. And there's a better chance of people, uh, you know, breaking their hands as well. So, um, you know, but I just it always makes you laugh to hear it. And, uh, and I will say, too, Justin makes some great points. And, again, I think he's a little bit annoyed in answering the questions. I think he's a little bit annoyed of having to – kind of deal with it and, and deal with the talk of the losses, but his points in saying, hey, listen, uh, you know, I was fighting world-class guys, top-level guys, and I had them hurt. You know, I was close. So it's not like I was getting blown out of the water and, and I don't belong at, at the at the upper echelon anymore. Uh, no, I, I, absolutely. He's not He's not saying that at all. You know, he's saying, listen, uh, I was there. I was right there. And, and in fact – you know, had a chance to win these fights, and it just went wrong. So he's not taking away from those guys or making excuses, but saying, hey, listen, when you're evaluating me, remember uh, that, that I was competing with these guys and almost had them beat. And and that's true. You know, sometimes you just look at the losses and you go, ah, man, you know, is is he a little bit shop-worn at this point? You know, have the, are these battles starting to add up? And, uh, yeah, man. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. You know, is he a little bit more chinny? Is, is he a little bit more suspect? You can't fight like that forever. We've always said that. Even in World Series of Fighting, we've said that. Um, but he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm still there, and I almost won these fights. So it's interesting. I, I love this main event. It, the main event is going to be all action, but I, I love the fact that there's, you know, a lot at stake for for these guys, and I think they're, they're both kind of at different points. All right, meanwhile, you got James Vick, who he's been – you know, I don't want to say begging for this opportunity, but saying for quite some time, like, hey, what about me? You know, I know you got these guys out there, but what about me? Uh, I I have earned the right to face some of these top-tier people. And he's getting that opportunity now, and I think he's happy with it. You know, he said, listen, I'm, I'm in a main event. I'm getting to fight somebody that's, that's solid. Now, these two guys, you know, clearly don't like each other that much. Clearly they've had a lot of, of, of going on back and forth. Um Gaethje seems to have a little bit more disdain for Vic than the other way around, but Vic has, you know, been pretty personal with those the human punching bag comments and the, you know, the Homer Simpson stuff and and uh, yeah, so it, it is turning into a little bit of rivalry. I can say, um, you know, UFC staff is always professional about making sure that guys aren't in the same place. They, they they're really good about doing that. I mean, you see the occasional clip here and there on, online where things just happen and people cross paths, but USC staff is always very very good about scheduling things so that. 
opponents aren't near each other in the same place for any reason, you know, other than sheer coincidence and sheer free will. They don't schedule them to be in the same area. And uh, there was a there was a possibility the other day because of some kind of late shuffling that was going on that they were going to be in, in in the same area at the same time. And uh, the the operations team was kind of like, well, they're they're both professionals and maybe it'll be okay. And and somebody immediately said, nope. <laughs> have you heard these guys talking to each other? Like, no, 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 no. Let's not have this these guys anywhere near each other. We'll wait until it's it's time to face off. So uh, ha- they have kept them apart. And uh, again, I think this is going to be a good fight. But I, I think there's real meaning to this fight as well. Yes, it's not a number one contender fight, um, but it, it's certainly meaningful for each of these guys in their personal journeys as well as, you know, some future standings in, in the lightweight division. So uh, James Vick was the next one to, to come speak to us. And a um, couple things I want to talk to you about with this, but uh, what we'll do first is is let you hear the James Vick. Now, if you, if you know James Vick, his weight cuts are not good, man. He never looks good uh, the day before weigh-ins and at weigh-ins. Uh, his voice changes tremendously, um, very, very noticeably. Um, when he's going through his weight cuts, and that certainly happened here. So uh, listen to James Vick first, and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll share a couple other things that happened behind the scenes. The uh, the most important question we got to know: uh, are, are there any Vick's picks outside of the main event? I mean, have you been have you been breaking down the rest of this card? You know, I haven't uh, I haven't went in super deep on the card. Um, I haven't decided honestly. On I'll release them Saturday. Nice. Check have, my Twitter. Have you made the move on you? Or are, you still, are you still monitoring the line? No, on I'm you, waiting or? for the line to drop. When the line comes down, I'm betting the house. <laughs> it's it's coming down slowly. I see it. It's coming down. So since I look all skinny and always at weigh-ins, I hopefully people are like, oh, you know, everyone thinks, oh, he had a bad weight cut. Then I then it'll come down even more. That's well, the plan. You, you do always look rough on weight yeah, cut. It's, it's how, I mean, how are you feeling right now? I mean, I, I, it sucks. It's never good, but I mean, I'm. It's not any worse or better than usual. It's basically the same as always. How much further do you have to go? I only got five, like five and a half pounds left, so I'll do like three, three more tonight, and then maybe two, two and a half in the morning. When you get to these moments, do you think I'm not long for 155 anymore? I'm, I'm too, I'm too tall. I'm too big. I got to maybe move up. Well, you always think that, and then they, you know, then they write that check, and then I'm like, okay, I can do this again. Honestly, a lot, a lot of my, my, my stuff comes from my diet. Honestly, I have a bad diet. You know, I'm not even gonna lie. You know, if I'm not quite as big as people think I am, I'm very tall. My bone structure is very small. I just, um, uh, I just, I eat a lot of sugar, man. I'm, I'm a sugar addict, like literally, like it's, it's a problem. So if, if I, if I cut down on that, I'd probably walk around a good 10, 15 pounds lighter than what I naturally do. So if, I mean, if 165 ever did come around, would you be like one of the first ones with your hand in the air? Oh, for sure, for sure. Do you ever consider 170? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, my, my goal is to become a world champion, you know, defend it a couple times and then move up. Nice. But right now, I'd have to start all over if I did that. You know, if I move up right now, i got to start back at ground zero. Last thing for me, uh, I want to ask you what you think about Justin's kind of rhetoric, least least out there this week, that, you know, you, you can't go through the test that he has. Yes, he's got some losses, but, you know, those guys were top of the food chain, and they dug deep, and you don't have that within you as your character. What would name one fight that I've given up in? Even the fight that I got lost, I lost to Benil Darius. I went out like a fucking warrior. I got knocked the fuck out, but I, I didn't give up, and I didn't quit. You know what I'm saying? My body wouldn't function anymore, but I fucking kept fighting, you know? Name one fight I've given up on. There ain't, he's delusional. Everybody in the top echelon of the U.S he has heart all of us have heart why do you think we're here so he's making a, a serious mistake if he believes that he's also making a serious mistake if he thinks that i'm not ready for that war he thinks that i believe i could avoid that war. i know i might not be able to avoid it i could i could go in there and knock him out quick and catch him quick but i might not and i'm fully aware and, and mentally prepared for all that 
So when he says that he doesn't like your character, you you run from a fight, you avoid things. Um, does that does that bug you to hear him say that? No, no, he's the idiot. I, I don't really care to be honest with you. Sorry, I'm sweating. I literally just left the sauna. So the Homer Simpson comments, man, where did those come from? That's hilarious. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, just being honest. I mean, look at the guy fights like that. Just being honest. Does, does that animosity or like uh, the fact that he reacted to those comments um, might play into the fight or did your game plan is the same regardless? I think he's going to fight the way he fights regardless. It didn't really matter, you know? Like, I don't really think there's much I can, you know, no matter what I say or what he says, he's going to fight the way he fights. There has been a lot of talk going back and forth, you know, with you guys as the fight's getting closer. But are you just happy that you finally got an opportunity and a professional guy? For sure. I, you know, I've, I've worked my entire life to get here. You know, this is going to change my life Saturday night. For sure. Last time we talked, you know, it was right after you, you accepted the fight in Maryland and flew in. Um, what, how have things kind of changed for you over that, that course in the last, you know, Two months, two and a half months. Nothing's really changed. I mean, I went home for a little bit, you know, went between fights, between camps, and then came back and started training. Sorry, I just left the sun, so I'm sweating. <laughs> what were the Homer Simpson comments? I'm, I apologize, I missed that, but if you could. Well, he just, um, uh, you know, the dude takes beatings. Have you ever watched the episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets the shit beat out of him? He looks like Gaethje. <laughs> So you hear James Vick, of course, he's a little, little upset at the, uh, the storyline that has been tossed out there by Justin Gaethje that you know Vick's not ready for this test, that he's not being able to, 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 to handle the pressure that's, that's going to be coming his way. Um, but I want to show you some things, and you may have seen the video. Again, the video of that is, is on YouTube and, uh, and will be on MMA Junkie soon if it's not there already. But if you heard some ruffling in, in the audio, that's, uh, that's James Vick kind of holding the mic stand that we use and moving it back and forth. He was a little bit fidgety, man. He was he was moving around a little bit, and he looked bad. I mean, it's just – the thing is he admits it. I mean, it's it's not abnormal. He looks very, very skinny, like bad every time he weighs in. And it is a little bit jarring. Um, but I will say this from standing next to him, and you can see it a little bit in the video, and he even mentions it there in the audio. He was sweating a lot. I mean, profusely. And he said he had just come from the sauna. You know, that was the schedule he was on. There was a lot of water coming out of him, so that's good. I mean, that that mean if he's sweating, that's what you like to see, man. When somebody's trying to cut weight and there's no sweat coming out at all, that's a bad thing. You know, that's obviously the the sure sign of dehydration. Um, but it is it, it is it is a little interesting. He at the end uh, he kind of you know we kind of told you know he, he said like I'm uh, you know sorry I'm sweating uh, I'm so sweat and we kind of told him he could go. Um, and I don't know if he just didn't hear us or, you know, he was focused on himself with that minute, but he, he, at the end of that interview, basically he sat down, um, and he was like, Hey, can somebody get me a towel? And to be honest, I quit shooting at that time. Cause I, I felt like he was getting a little lightheaded or something, but in retrospect, cause he, he waited and there were no towels around in the, in the little press room where we are. So one of the PR team kind of ran to one of the other rooms, the workout rooms and brought him back a towel, but it took a minute or two to, to sprint over there to the other area, get the towel and bring it back. And during that time, James was kind of sitting there and, um, kind of had his head in his hands a little bit. You know, he's basically just wiping his forehead. It didn't look like he was lightheaded, like he was going to pass out or anything like that. But I, I, I didn't know if maybe he wasn't feeling good. And so that's why he, he kind of sat down, um, right next to where we were doing the interview. 
I don't know, maybe I should have kept rolling, but it was one of those deals where I shut the camera off because I had the feeling like, he, you know, he, he was kind of done. He needed a second. And uh, he, he joked during it. He actually did joke. He said, uh, you know, hey, listen, uh, you know, I, I know the fact that I look bad is, is good for me. You know, he, he jokes about gambling. and uh, Well, he doesn't joke about gambling. He likes to he likes to bet money on fights and not just his own. Um, but he's talked about betting the house on him. And he said, this, this is good, man. People are going to think I look like crap, so the odds are going to go down. So he was, he was definitely alert and joking, but it was a little bit, I don't know, it concerned me for a second. And then once he got the towel, he wiped himself off a little bit, and he stood back up to continue the interview. So at that point, I thought, well, okay, well, maybe there was nothing wrong with him. So he, he was like, okay, let's let's keep going. And we were like, oh, no, no, you're, you're good. We got no We got no more questions where you're good. So maybe, you know, the only reason he sat down and was trying to wipe himself was he just was – either embarrassed or frustrated by all the sweat that was coming off of him and wanted to get that dried up before he before he continued the interview. So maybe there was nothing wrong with him, but I don't know. It was just one of those weird moments that I'll think back, you know, after the fight one way or the other, and I feel like I'll have the answer. You know, either, either he will look bad and we'll go, man, that was a telling moment, you know, that the weight cut wasn't going great. Or he'll look phenomenal and be like, okay, so he, he really he really wasn't okay. But, uh, you know, just one of those, just one of those um, interesting moments. He joked about it, and he was professional about it, and I, and, and I think he was okay, but it was weird. Uh, it, it will. If you haven't seen him weigh in before, man, there's just official weigh-ins for Friday, so uh, we'll have full coverage of that, of course. I'll stream it, and then we'll have highlights of it as well, and then they'll do the face-offs right after. But, yeah, if you, if you haven't seen a James Vick weigh in before, he, he, it's it's always a little bit scary. So, um, yeah, that's the main event. It's, it's it, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a good fight, and I think it's meaningful for both those guys. The co-main event – I love it as well. I do. I really do. Michael Johnson versus Andre Feely. Um, and, and I love it again. I, I mean, I love these fights that, that have meaning for these fighters. And I get it. It may not be, you know, we're not, we're not lining up any contenders uh, for, the, for the title. You know, uh, Max Holloway and, and Brian Ortega aren't watching this fight and, 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 you know, hoping that their plans don't change for the fall or whatever. Okay, that's not what this is. But these are two guys who are, are certainly personable dudes uh, and certainly have shown moments of greatness in the cage, and they both need a win, you know, they, they, for different reasons. Uh, Michael Johnson has had this – he's in a, a terrible stretch right now, one and four, uh, you know, was winning his last fight out, but, but ended up losing to Darren Elkins, you know, the comeback kid. Or I don't know if you can call him a kid anymore, but, the, you know, the, the comeback specialist that he is, uh, losing to Darren Elkins. Meanwhile, Andre Feely – you know, always been one of those kind of highly touted team alpha male guys and has had some great moments, um, but has also had some some failures and has struggled to gain consistency. And so he wants to get a win to prove that, you know, hey, listen, I've, I've been in the UFC for a while now and I'm, and I'm ready to contend. I'm ready to, to be a relevant player in this division, not just somebody that has a funny nickname and, and some cool tattoos. He, he wants to matter in the division. So uh, first up was Michael Johnson. We spoke to Michael Johnson and – um, you know, you have to ask him. I mean, what, what's it like for him? Because I think Michael Johnson is incredibly talented. I really do. We've seen some great things out of him. We've seen some great moments out of him. Um, and again, the last fight, man, he, he looked good against Darren Elkins, but he ended up losing the fight. You know, it's uh, you know, people always talk about him with Habib Nurmagomedov. You know, Habib Nurmagomedov. You know, he touched up Habib, right? I mean, that's what a lot, a lot of the reason people are saying that, that Conor McGregor uh, has a real good chance against Habib because they, they, they point to the Michael Johnson fight and they say, look, you know, Michael Johnson's not that level of striker and he touched him up a little bit. Of course, then you had the amazing fight with Justin Gaethje as well um, and Michael Johnson. That, that I mean, just incredible stuff from both those guys. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Michael Johnson, and I said one and four. I apologize. One and five is, is the stretch that he's in right now. Um, man, tough spot. You know that he's got the skills to compete, and you know he's got the athletic gifts to compete, but he's hit some roadblocks along the way. So um, had to ask Michael Johnson about that, what the mindset is like, you know, what the, what this means to him. And uh, here's what he had to say. Mike, talk to us what, what the mindset's like for you, man. I mean, the stretch that you're having to deal with, you know you're a talented guy. You know you can compete with the best in the world, but you just haven't been getting the results. What's what's the mindset been like for you? Uh, man, you know what, man? My mindset, my last few fights, I just um, I haven't been fully focused enough, you know, and, and that's what it is. But now um, this this training camp, you know, I've been really focusing just me, you know, taking my time, really focusing on what I need to do. And, um, you know, just speaking everything in existence. You know, I know how great I am. You know, I know I'm better than these guys I'm fighting. I know I'm better than these guys I'm losing to. I just need to stay focused for 15 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it is, and um, get back on the winning track because, uh, fuck, I really miss that feeling. You know, it's uh, especially when you're beating these guys and end up losing. You know, there's no worse way to lose than that. I was going to say, I mean, to me, Darren's kind of made it famous for having comebacks <laughs> like that, right? But So is that the lesson you take is that you just you like mentally weren't there for a second and that's when he was able to get the position? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I got a stupid kick. I slipped and fell and then uh, kind of froze up a little bit and then I tried to rush the situation. And um, it, it's just me in there um, taking my time and not thinking, you know. So I just have to trust myself. I have to trust my training and um, trust that I know I have the ability to get out of these positions and just be calm and cool in there. Nice. Talk about the decision to stay at featherweight. I mean, is this your division? Because I wonder, you know, when, when you didn't win, if you think, man, that weight cut wasn't worth it. I didn't get it. <laughs> I might as well go back up to lightweight. So did you consider it all? And what made you say, no, I'm, I'm staying at featherweight? Uh, yeah, I considered going back up. But, you know, um, everybody knows how stubborn I am in this sport. So um, I was like, nah, hell no, nah, I'm not going back up. I got to get another win. So I'm going to put myself through the torture of getting down to 45 again. And, um, you know, I can't just – Go into a division and run away after another loss. You know, that's not me. Um, you know, I want to show everybody that, hey, I'm here. I can't compete with these guys, and I'm going to come take this division over and come back up and finish what I started at lightweight. So you plan on going back there at some point? Oh, yes. You know, I definitely want to see, um, you know, I've beaten what, two of the guys in the top five. You know, I've been beating all the guys in the top ten, so it's no reason for me to run away. I just wanted some some new faces and a change of scenery. What do you think about this matchup with Feely? Um, it's a great matchup. You know, um, Philly's, um, he's a great, talented guy. He comes from a great gym. It's my third time fighting him, so, you know, that would be fun. And, um, you know, he gets in there and he bangs, you know, so it's going to be very talented. Um, he's definitely underestimating me. I've been hearing around here, so that's a bad thing for him. He's a fucking idiot if he's doing that. Hey, last thing for me, I want to ask I me, mean, does this feel almost like a crossroads, but it's weird. I mean, like I said, I mean, you've competed with the best in the world. You've been beating the best in the world, you know. But you got to get the wins, right? I mean, does this feel like a very important moment that you've, you've got to prove that, that you still, I guess, belong? Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, you know, I'm no, I'm no idiot. You know, it's a business. And you're only as good as what you're producing and what you're putting out. And uh, I'm fighting on three-fight losing streak regardless of if I was winning them before, regardless of how I'm doing. You know, that's just uh, life and that's how it is. So I have to come up. I have to compete. And I have to get this win. You know, I will get this win. Do you think that uh, Philly feels that he has the advantage because you fought guys from the before? Like, do you think they feel they have figured you 
Uh, they might think they figured me out, but like I said, we're one and one, and I was uh, beating the last guy's ass until I made a simple mistake, and he just jumped on my back. You know, I knocked their coach out, so um, I don't see where he has the advantage or where he thinks he has the advantage. But he's definitely underestimating me. He thinks it's um, his. He thinks it's his time. You know, he thinks I've came and gone already. But um, now this is my second breath. I'm in it to win it right now. I'm fully focused, and you guys are going to see the old Michael Johnson in there. Knowing that you're still paying attention to lightweight, what do you think about this main event? <laughs> oh, um, it's going to be a good main event. I'm excited to watch it, you know. But like I said, um, I've been so focused on myself and everything. I just, I damn near don't even know who fights in the UFC anymore. I've been so focused on me. So, you know, here we are. You've been through a murderer's row, man. I mean, Elkins, Gaethje, Namiri Madoff, Poirier. What do you think Fury rates with the guys in the face recently? Hey, you know, um, I don't look at my past fights. You know, I, I don't look at who I fought. I don't try to compare them to Andre Philly because when it all said and done, um, Andre Philly is the toughest guy I'm going to face because I fight him Saturday night. You know, that's the only thing I'm focused on right now. So I'm not trying to compare him to Diaz or Poirier or any of those guys. You know, um, Andre Philly's the topic and he's the objective. There are a million things demanding your time. Contact lenses shouldn't be one of them. That's why we're excited about a great new company called Simple Contacts that is making the process of renewing your prescription and buying contacts, well, simple. Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to get your contact lens prescription renewed and stock up on your brand of contacts. Get this, instead of taking time off and spending hours at the doctor just to renew your prescription, you can now do it online in under five minutes. This is vision care for the 21st century. Here's how it works. You take a quick self-guided vision test from your phone or computer. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor in 24 hours. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your brand of contacts. So simple. If you have an unexpired prescription, you can use them too. Just upload a photo of it or your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. Buying more contacts has never been easier and why should it be hard in the first place, right? That's why Simple Contacts was created. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses and their prices are unbeatable. Plus, the prescription is just $20. Compare that with an annual appointment which can be up to $200 without insurance. Shipping is free and best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first Simple Contact order. To save $20 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com road20 or enter the code ROAD20 at checkout. I want to mention that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $20 off by going to simplecontacts.com ROAD20. That's R-O-A-D and the numbers 20 or just enter the code ROAD20 at checkout. Save yourself time, money, and a headache with Simple Contacts. Menace, Michael Johnson. I like what he's saying. You know, focus. It's all about mental focus. And I think he's dead on. I think he's right, man. He, he's got the skills. He's got the gifts. 
It's mental focus, right? It's not making those mistakes, staying focused the entire 15 minutes, not having those mental errors. I think he's dead right about that. And if he can do that, he can be a, a real, real problem in the division. So um, I like what I'm hearing. Again, I, I love this fight, and I like what I'm hearing from Michael Johnson. If you like what you're hearing, you know what you can do? You can do us a favor. Make sure that you log into iTunes and take just a couple of seconds to leave us uh, a review. Make sure you rate us. Hopefully you can give us five stars. Leave us a review as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Of course, you want to get that done. And, and hell, maybe even tell somebody else to subscribe. But but leave us some feedback. I love reading it. Like this from my man, CD Busy. He left us five stars. Said, love this MMA podcast. One of my favorite MMA podcasts. John Morgan's the man. Thank you, brother. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You can also, if you have some constructive criticism, I'm okay with that. You can be like my man, Matt Edge. He gave us four stars, and he said inconsistency. So let me start by saying I love this podcast. It would be an easy five stars if not for the inconsistency of episodes. One of the main reasons I started listening was for the and-a-half episodes. It is a perfect first-person experience of the fights and behind-the-scenes things people who didn't attend wouldn't know about in a laid-back, crack-open-a-frosty-beverage kind of dynamic. I love the addition of cold coffee, too, even when his power won't stay on. I just wish they gave us some notice, being a tweet or whatever, to expect or not to expect an episode. You know what, Matt? That's fair feedback, man. I respect that. You're right. I uh, In a perfect world, man... And a half episodes will be every single week. Uh, and I want to get to the point that they are, but it is tough sometimes. Uh, of course, a lot of responsibilities at MMA Junkie that have to be handled first because that is, of course, what pays the bills. And sometimes it's just practicality. Um, for instance, here, uh, you know, my flight leaves Sunday morning from Omaha. So i got to drive from Lincoln to Omaha, and I'm going to take an Uber uh, at 7.10 in the morning. Um, and, of course, the fights are going to end, I don't know, probably like 1.30, 2 o'clock by the time we get done with everything. Uh, Got to get back. I should, it's tough. I'm saying it's a challenge. But it's not a challenge that I, I, I don't want to meet. And, in fact, I've even thought about just moving the podcast from, from recording on Thursdays to, you know, recording on basically post-fights, you know, because I know, to be honest, as a fan, I, I, I would love that too. That's the reason I want to do the and-a-half episodes. Because as a fan, that's what I want to listen to as well. Like, you know, get a little bit of those notes from behind the scenes, talk about what just happened. Um, so I've even thought about just moving the podcast there and doing it that that night of the week instead. And, you know, then maybe we could s- schedule, structure, change a little bit. So I don't know. Good points. I will say, though, don't say inconsistency. That's why it's and a half. 178 straight weeks, my friend. 178 straight weeks have never missed a single week of an episode since we started. Even through vacations, even through all that, we've. Uh, so I would say, sir, that we are as consistent as anybody in the business, except maybe with the uh, and a half episodes. So I feel you. I like it. All right. Much respect to both of you for that feedback. Hopefully, everybody else will log in and. Uh, Hopefully give us five stars and leave us some feedback, good or, good or bad, either way. All right, let's talk about Andre Feely as well. Andre Touchy Feely. Um, listen, I, I love talking to him as well, man. The guy's attitude is, is phenomenal. And, again, you know, he's shown moments of brilliance in the cage, but he's also had uh, some inconsistent results as well. And he believes, listen, I, I'm getting older, you know what I mean? And it's it's time for me to deliver. It's not time for me to, to, to live on promise or to live on potential of what I can be or what I may be. Uh, no, it's time for me to get this thing done, and, and this is my moment to do it. And uh, so so we talked a little bit about that. I, I, I started out, and I went ahead and left this in because uh, he is part of, uh, of a movie as well. Um, 
he's he's he had a, a pretty big part in it from what I understand. Uh, Greenleaf, I want to oh, make sure I got it right. Damn it. Hope I didn't get it wrong. Is it Greenleaf? Our man Rick Lee showed me the trailer for Of course, Rick Lee uh, has been in the business for a long time. Uh, Green Fever. Not Green Leaf. What the hell is I talking about? Green Fever. Sorry about that, Mr. Rick Lee. I got that wrong. So Green Fever, um, our man Rick Lee, uh, who actually was the first videographer uh, at MMA Junkie. He's been around the business for a long time. He's working, uh, you know, doing some of like the embedded stuff like that for the UFC uh, as well. But on the side, him and Uriah Faber was actually a part of this project as well. They, they put together this movie um, called Green Fever, and, uh, and Andre Feely was, was in it. And uh, I started out just as kind of an icebreaker uh, conversation to bring it up and, and let him talk about it a little bit. But he ended up having some pretty amazing quotes about his time in there and about his potential future as an actor. Uh, so I, th- I, th- I thought I'd go ahead and let you guys hear that as well. And then you can also hear the focus and determination and the, and the fire that he has in this fight. And again, I think you know once you hear from both these guys, uh, you'll see that while this co-main event may not mean a lot in the rankings right now man i think it means a whole lot to both these guys in their careers and uh, again it's it, it's a fight just like the main event that i think could be a lot of fun so andre do we have to uh, do we have to dress you differently now that you're a big movie star do, do you want to be treated a little bit yes things are gonna have to change around here uh i'm gonna demand a little more respect i'm just kidding no uh no i'll, I'll always be the same street urchin <laughs> well, talk about how the project came together. I mean, it, you, you did this uh, movie recently. Yeah, so um, when you get to hang out with Uriah Faber, you get to do all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, that guy's got his hand in everything. So one of the companies that he has uh, started, he's, he's producing movies, and he has a production company. And um, he there's this really cool uh, movie that, that was being filmed called Green Fever. It'll be on Netflix, I believe, in uh, next year. And they had a spot that the movie is about um, a home invasion that takes place on a weed farm. And so he said, oh, yeah, I got a role for a sketchy weed trimming cousin. And I said, say no more. That's me. I was born for that role. I grew up in Northern California. So, like, I'm very familiar with sketchy cousins who trim weed for a living. Like, that's, yeah, I had to do no homework for the role. Like, I was like, oh, I was reading the script. Like, oh, I know these people. Like, I grew up around them. This this sounds like high school reunion for me. Like, so it was... uh, yeah, it was a really fun experience. I got to play a character that that was fun to play and, and in a movie that was actually done really well. You know, you see a lot of fighters that are in movies and, you know, you've all seen it. And like, it's like the B-rate action movie where the fighter jumps in, he throws a spinning back kick, he gets shot off screen and he falls. That's it, you know. This was a movie that was, was really character driven. It had a really strong narrative. Um, I have... But between like five and seven real like talking scenes where I got to actually be a character, you know, and, and I, my character actually was important to the narrative. And so it was like a real acting job, you know, which is what I was looking for. I really enjoy acting. I really enjoy being creative in, in different outlets. So um, it was such a rad experience and, and I'm, I'm looking to do it again. I, work, I got to work with a really cool production team and, and they kind of do a lot of in-house stuff. So they're going to be doing a bunch of other films together. So uh, as long as they have a sketchy cousin part in their movie, I'll be there to fill it. I was going to say, yeah. you want to I mean any kind yeah. of sketchy weed trimming cousins? The like, thing is, sure. the thing about having throat tattoos is you get kind of typecast. Like, I'm never going to get to play, like, like young dad, like, at the PTA <laughs> meeting, you know what I'm saying? But I could be, like, the sketchy cousin or, like, like I could be the guy who, like, robs the young dad, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think there'll always be a spot for me. But 
maybe typecast a little bit. We'll see. Nice. Yeah. Let's talk about your fighting career, man. Obviously, uh, you know, you've been in the UFC for a long time now. You're, you're, you're a veteran. And uh, you've struggled to get consistent results. You've got mm-hmm. great moments yeah. and then let down. So yeah. give an idea of kind of what the focus is and, and the thought process for where you are in your career right now. I feel great. Everything, everything's coming together. I feel like I'm really at the peak. Uh, I'm the best I've ever been right now. And um, there's definitely been ups and downs. But the thing that I've really started focusing on, especially this, I feel like maybe this past year is just, um, is just focusing on what I can actually control. You know, like people ask you questions about like your last fights or, or where you see yourself or your opponent's last fights or how he's performing. I don't give a shit about any of that. Like the only thing I can control is my, my preparation and my performance. Like I can control myself, you know, like that's hard enough. Like making sure that you do everything right. Fuck all the distractions. Like I'm only here to make sure that I do everything that I can do to be the best fighter I can be. So I'm just zoned in, man. I'm laser sharp. Like I'm so focused. And and it's just because all I care about is my preparation and my performance. You know, um, I've had ups and downs, but you know, that's the sport. That's, that's, that's life. That's like, how, how many of us have been in a, a situation where like, damn, my career is not going the way I want it. You know, it just so happens that in fighting, if your career is not going the way you want it, it's public and, uh, you're getting kicked in the head and shit, you know? So like it's different than other jobs in that respect, but it's the same as anything else where you're going to have peaks and valleys, you know, and it's not about a big part of life. I've realized is not like whether you have peaks and valleys, it's like how low you get or how high you let yourself get. It's like, you can win the biggest fight of your life. You can't celebrate too much. You, you can lose the biggest fight of your life. You can't, you can't have too much self-pity, man. You, you got to just roll with the punches, you know? Water off a duck's back. You got to shake it off. Uh, interesting because you say you don't really worry too much about the other guy anymore, but I wonder what you think about Michael Johnson because a dangerous guy, yeah. um, but kind of similar, right, where he's right. come up short in some spots. Yeah. So, I mean, did, did, you, did you watch tape? Did you, did you, did you break him down? I mean, what do you think about it? Yeah, I did the same thing with him that I do with most of my opponents. Uh, you know, I watch a little bit of tape. Like, I'm, I'm familiar. I'm a student of the game. Like, I've been, I've been training since I was – 14 you know like i've been in the game over a decade so i've seen michael johnson fight a bunch i know what he's good at you know but i obviously watched a little bit of tape and then i mostly leave that uh i don't i don't study too much i I watch a little bit of tape to kind of remind myself what he's good at then i let my cornermen watch tape and 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 tell me what i need to do i trust my coaches you know those dudes saved my life so i trust them in my life man they tell me to do something i fucking i do it you know um so I let my coaches worry about really dissecting tape. For me, I just I already know what he's good at, and I know that if I focus on what I need to do, like I can beat anyone, beat anyone in the world. Like I'm the best 145 pound fighter in the world. Like I've already fought the current champ. Like if you go back and watch that fight, you'll see how close it was. You know, like I train with Chad Mendez, Darren Elkins, Rick Glenn, Josh Emmett. Like what you know, I train with fucking five of the top 15 guys in the world. Like I fought the world champion. Like I'm the best 45 in the world. Like I know that, like I, I've got the rounds to prove it. So, um, I don't, I don't worry about too much of what he's bringing. I know he's dangerous. Like I know he's dangerous. He he's beaten guys like Dustin Poirier. That shit, that speaks for itself. So I know what he's going to try to do. I know he's fast. I know he's athletic. I know he's aggressive in the first, like he's a bad motherfucker, but I'm badder. Like I'm the baddest motherfucker. So, Nice. Last, yeah. And last thing for me, I mean, do you feel like this is kind of a, a breakout opportunity? I mean, we've been following your career for a long time and you were kind of that young kid, that next generation. Yeah. Now you've been here. You right. know what I mean? Do you feel yeah. like now it's time to, to deliver? Yeah, I think it is. I think uh, I think every fight you have is the most important fight of your life and this isn't any different. But um, this is a big one and I'm just ready to perform. I've been ready and uh, I'm excited to show you guys.
right, so that was a very passionate uh, Andre Feely there. Uh, big moment for him. I'm telling you, between this main and co-main event, I love it. I, I, I love the fights. I think they're going to be action-packed fights. And I, I think that, you know, the storylines of the four guys involved in it are, are all very intriguing, you know, and I think these are important fights for all of them. So uh, I think these top two fights could be uh, could be a lot of fun, and, and I think they're important to, uh, to each of these four fighters, to say the least. Uh, should also, by the way, uh, give a shout-out to Trevor. Trevor is a uh, a friend of Andre Feely's, and uh, Andre actually hit me up a, a little bit later afterwards and, and said, hey, uh, my boy wanted me to, to, to give you his number. He's a big, big Roadshow fan, so that's what's up. Shout out to Trevor. He was, was going to try to have him sit in with me tonight, but uh, he had some other plans going on. So maybe one day down the road we can get uh, get Trevor to, to sit down and, uh, and, and do an episode with us, man. Maybe it's better that it's not a week that his boy's fighting because, you know, then he can be a little bit more uh, – you know, unbiased. But uh, anyway, wanted to have him on. They didn't have it. All right, let's talk about the rest of this card because um, I'm telling you, I love the fights on here, and I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. People are ah, this this card. Okay, all right. You know, I get I get it. It's it's it doesn't have superstars written all over it, but I love the fights here. Courtney Casey versus Angela Hill. I think is a is a big fight uh, in the strawweight division. Angela Hill, of course, was supposed to face Alexa Grasso. Uh, Alexa Grasso had to back out. Courtney Casey stepped in. Uh, Angela said, look, I'm still excited about this fight. You know, what I liked about the Grasso fight, and she was she had made it clear. She was excited about that fight. And she said, you know, look, what I liked about the fight is that, you know, I know that Grasso's going to come forward and bang, and that's the kind of fight I want. So, like, that said, you know, I, I also think Grasso has some hype behind her. You know, she's a name that, that, that was known, you know, because of her time and, and Invicta and what she's accomplished in the UFC. Um, Courtney Casey, meanwhile, does not have as much of the star name around her, um, but she can, she can fight, man. She fights. And I think she's probably going to try to use wrestling uh, and her grappling a lot more than Alexa Grasso would have, and I think that would be wise of her. But Courtney Casey's as tough as they come. Man, she has lost some heartbreaking decisions. And I've always been a fan of Courtney Casey. She, she did fight uh, amateur and tough enough, and I got to call some of her fights. And it's always fun when you see somebody at that level and you see them continue to, ve- to develop. It's hard not to, to kind of follow their career with a little bit of extra interest. Um, but I think Court- Courtney Casey's a phenomenal fighter. And... I think she's been on the short end of some decisions. Now, that said, uh, I, I do believe there's some tactical switches she can make. I think sometimes she lets off the gas a little bit. Um, I, I think she's too comfortable fighting from her back sometimes. I think she's too comfortable fighting moving backwards sometimes. And it's good to be able to fight from those positions. But, man, you just got to realize that moving backwards and being underneath, it makes it difficult for you to win rounds in the judge's eyes. I'm not saying it's impossible. It is possible. But it does make it more challenging. You, you need to be the one being the aggressor. You need to be the one in top position. Uh, judges just don't, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, they just don't reward those positions very often. So um, a, a big fight there. And I, I think these two ladies, you know, the, their records maybe don't indicate the type of skill they have and, and how they're developing in their career. Uh, you know, a lot of these women, and, and Angela said it uh, when we were talking to her uh, uh, this week as well, is, is like, listen, man, we, you know, a lot of us got into the UFC earlier. You know, they added these women's divisions, and there weren't that many pro fighters around because there wasn't a place for them to make money doing it. So a lot of these women came into the UFC with, with smaller records than you might expect from, from their male counterparts. So they're having to develop right in front of, of your eyes, and they're having to do it on the highest stage. Um, and I think both these ladies uh, have done a fantastic job of developing. I think this is going to be a fun fight. Brian Barberina versus Jake Ellenberger. Big fight there as well. 
Um, you know, Jake Ellenberger is is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and he's incredibly open and honest about the struggles that he's had as of late. Very frustrated about his last loss. You know, he felt like he had more to show, um, and and then the you know the lights got turned off. You know, you, you get hit uh, and and you go down, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it, and 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 that's what happened there. Um, but he got the quick turnaround. He said, "Listen, part of it was because I was frustrated. The other part is because I really wanted to fight in my home state, Nebraska." And as we said, the local media was really, you know, tuned in to, to to this fight. It's a big one for him, though, man. He's got to win. And and listen, he's answered the questions over and over and over. So it's not like he hasn't heard him. He gets it. This is an important fight for him. Meanwhile, Brian Barberina, a big fight for him too. A fight that he wanted, a fight that was supposed to happen, and then didn't come together, and then it was rebooked. But here's what I wanted to share about Brian Barberina, man, because this this was uh this was pretty touching. You know, it was, it, he he was talking today, and um. Asked him a few questions, and then some of the, again, the local media was asking him quite a few questions because he's he's the local guy's opponent. And I happened to look down and notice that every one of his fingernails and toenails was painted, but all a different color, not just like one color. So it's not like we haven't seen fighters with painted nails. I mean, hell, Chuck Liddell, of all people, used to do it, right? So it's not out of the ordinary, but what I asked him was, hey, who picks the color scheme? Do you pick that yourself? Because it's a rainbow. Like every, 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 Finger and toes a different color, and and, and man, uh, instantly uh, he was kind of fighting back tears. And uh, he said, "No, you know, my my daughter picked it, and his daughter, uh, they're back home. He he bought after his last fight, he bought a ranch out in uh, rural Tennessee, and he says he's got uh, 50 acres out there, and he's building a proper ranch. You know, he's got animals and and all that stuff out there." But he used to live in Arizona. He's a, obviously a guy that fights out of the lab, and he used to live in Arizona. But they decided to move out and you know get some land and that sort of thing. But he still trains the lab. So for the first time ever, this camp, he had to leave home and, and go away from his, his kids um, to do his camp. And, you know, he, he talked about how kind of how difficult it was. It was the first time he was doing that. And uh, his daughter, actually, he has two sons and a daughter. His daughter uh, started kindergarten this week, so he had to miss – her first week of kindergarten, which anybody that's a parent will know, you know, kind of how tough that is, man, to miss those 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 milestones and those marks. And uh, you know, I just have have one son, but you know, it's it's tough, you know, to to be away from home sometimes, and you know, to miss his daughter's first day of kindergarten. He said it was really tough on him, but he got her on Facetime and, and went to the store, and uh, she on Facetime helped uh, him pick out like what colors she wanted, and then she told him what uh what color she wanted on each nail and so i guess she normally does it for him but she she couldn't do it so he had to do it himself but uh she she, he did it in the colors that she directed so uh it was it was cool to see the emotions that that he was having and just kind of battling back uh battling back a little bit of tears it it felt like um as he was talking about it so you know anybody that's a family man can can understand missing their kids so i mean uh, again an emotional fight here you know you got jake ellenberger the hometown guy who's on a string of losses, man, who needs to win to prove that he still belongs in the UFC against, you know, it's Brian Barberina, who's done well for himself and is buying this ranch, but but now, you know, he's, he's having to go away from his family for camps. And, man, it's just I, – I love the human side of that. I love the human side. Brian Barberina, a big favorite according to the odds makers, and I think that's probably accurate, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Flyweight fight. I love this fight, too. Nobody's talking about this one. Devison Figueroa versus John Moraga Figueroa. 14 and 0, uh, undefeated prospect, quietly gone 3 and 0 in the UFC, um, and you know I, I've liked what I've seen out of him. Um, 
you know, he's had some some, some controversy along the way there uh, as well. You know, Jared Brooks uh, thought for sure he beat him. And I think if I remember right, I might have even scored that fight for Jared Brooks, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I can't remember. I think I did, to be honest with you. But I still liked what I saw from Figueredo in that fight. I just thought I didn't do enough to, to win that night. Um, but I, I like Figueroa a lot. I, I think he's got some skills. And John Moraga is tough as they come, man. He, he's always gained a fight. You know, he's had his ups and downs. He's had some emotional moments as well. Uh, and I think he's, he's a fun fighter to watch. He's also the guy whose name uh, looks almost like mine in print and who every time I see it, I truly honestly think I accidentally screwed up and did something and, like, accidentally pasted my name into a headline when I shouldn't have. Like, I, I really do have, like, a split second uh, of a heart attack and think that I, I messed something up tremendously. So, it's a funny little side note there. Uh, and, the, and the main card is rounded out with Eric Anders versus Tim Williams. Of course, Eric Anders, the, the former football player that's uh, become a, a big middleweight prospect. He, he lost to Leota Machida. He, I think he could have won that fight, man. I think he let off the gas a little bit when he shouldn't have. And I think he feels the same way. You know, it's a damn shame to get the loss. and damn shame to miss out on an opportunity like that. But, you know, you, you, you it was to a recognizable name, and you gained some experience out of it, and you didn't get knocked out. By the way, I, I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe I shouldn't even say it. But I heard I heard from somebody with knowledge of the situation that Loyola Machida is getting $1.5 million a fight at Bellator. I need to try to verify that. Uh, but if so, God bless. That is a huge contract, man. Good for him. Uh, but anyway, Eric Anders, the uh, former football player that I think at one point wants to not be the former football player. I think it's supposed to be a, pr- a pretty nice piece on him on uh, UFC Tonight this week, but I didn't get a chance to see that. Him and Nick Saban, of course, the, the college football coaching great. So, uh, But he's going against Tim Williams. Tim Williams, uh, kind of an unknown, uh, I think, probably to most people. You know, he's on the Ultimate Fighter twice. Didn't win either of the seasons. Um, made it to the UFC earlier this year. Lost his debut. Um, but I talked to him anyway. I talked to him earlier this week. I wanted to talk to Eric Anders. I, I hadn't talked to him in person before, and so I wanted to meet him in person. And I figured, well, let's talk to his opponent too. Um, and, and, man, Tim Williams struck me as just a, a really good guy, man, and, and a guy that's still working full-time, uh, doing some um, kind of scaffolding work, you know, construction sites and that sort of stuff, you know, carrying around iron and building scaffolding and stuff like that. And he's something that he that he still does full time, and he's balancing that while he chases his fighting career. And he, but he did actually said take, took four weeks off for this fight, so it's the first time he's taken that much time off for a, for a fight. Normally it takes like a week and a half off. And at that point, man, that last week, I mean, you're you're so busy with travel and weight cut and you know media and paperwork and all that stuff. I mean, what what are you doing anyway? So uh, this is the first time he's ever you know quote unquote full time been focused on the preparation for a fight at least for four weeks. Now, he's got a tall order in Eric Anders, man. Eric Anders got a lot of hype around him. Even after the loss, I think a lot of people are expecting big things from Eric Anders. But, you know, I think this, again, a big middleweight matchup. I'm telling you, I, I, I like this card, man. It's 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 not the sexiest card in terms of names or what have you, but the the, the, the stories, the fights that are on the line, man, they mean something. So uh, the prelims are an FS2. Now, it seems like stuff gets moved around sometimes, but – FS2 is where these are supposed to be, uh, so make sure you find that ahead of time. Warley Owls versus James Krause. Uh, good fight here, man. Warley Owls, I think, is somebody that's a, a little bit overlooked because most of his fights have been in Brazil. Now, he does have the fight, uh, the, the victory, I should say, over Colby Covington, so that's kind of a signature win there for him. Uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget Colby Covington You know, walked right by me in press row uh, after that fight, and I don't even know if he meant for other people to know, I mean, I, in fact, I think I might not have even reported it right at first. Um, but Colby 
you know, said he had, had some torn cartilage in his ribs. Um, and so obviously that made movement very, very tough. So Colby has kind of always written that off as like, dude, I, I was injured and I would smoke that guy now. Worley Owls, meanwhile, has always said, nah, dude, I, I've got that win over you. And of course, um, Worley has been calling for that fight again, saying, hey, let me, uh, you know, let me have that one back. You know, you think you should have beat me? Okay, then let's, let's run it back. Let's do it again. So, you know, I, I, Ward at least has that in his back pocket, but you know he hasn't had a lot of action in the United States. So you know a lot of people haven't had a chance to to uh, to, to see him fight. Now he's on a two fight winning streak, and, and man, I, I I did an interview with him in English this week. I I'd seen some post fight stuff. I I, I kind of remember I've talked to him a couple times, not many. I tried to do an interview in English with him. Um, he struggled a little bit, but it's, it's a hell of a lot better than my Portuguese is. But he's trying to learn. He is, he, and he's trying to get more well known. And, and listen, he does say. I know I was born to be a champion. I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I am going to. Um, I'm going to be champion someday, and I know that, and I believe that with all my heart. And you can tell he does believe it. So, um, a big fight there. Meanwhile, James Krause. Uh, James Krause sat down with James Krause this week, and and man, you know, I see him coaching a whole lot, and he's moving up in weight, and. I don't know. A lot of that made me wonder. You know, all of a sudden you're coaching, and now you don't want to cut all the way down to where kind of your most success was, even though you've had some wins there. You know, where's your head at? Where, 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 what are you feeling? You know, what, do you, what are you thinking? And so uh, I had a chance to sit down and talk with James Krause, and it's kind of an in-depth conversation. But he had some of the greatest answers, and I think some of the obvious, you know, well-thought-out answers and and honest answers. And so um, this was a, a a conversation that we had uh, on the first day I got here on Wednesday, and I don't know. I thought you guys might like to hear it because. I think I think there's a lot of real truthful stuff. All right, James. Well, let's talk about Lincoln, Nebraska. First of all, I mean it's kind of familiar grounds yeah. for you. So I wonder. I mean, does that do anything for you? I mean, when you're in a familiar environment, does it do anything for your comfort level or how you feel leading into a fight? I mean, not really. No, I, I think that uh, I drove here. It's three three and a half hours for me. So I think like I can I can uh, I guess. I don't know. Take more clothes, bring more stuff, because I don't have to. I don't have to fly. I don't have to worry about the, you know, the check bag fees and all that stuff. So, uh, I, I guess it's more convenient. I, you know, like I can stop along the along the way of the trip, especially being a seventy, not fifty-five. I don't have to, you know, kill myself to to get the weight. So, in terms of like home field advantage, I would assume that more people are going to be cheering for me than than him. Uh, I've seen crazier things happen though. So the random guy from Brazil getting yeah. the, uh, the fans yeah. in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned the the 170, man. I mean, this is this is kind of the big story, I think, of this fight in a lot of people's minds. Talk about the decision to to go to 170 because normally when guys make changes like this, it's because they're they're having failures, they're looking yeah. to reinvent something, right? Here yeah. you are having success, yeah. and you make the call anyway. Uh, yeah, I think uh, so. I I, I think that. It, 55 is not hard for me to make. When I, when I say not hard for me to make, like I don't have difficulty cutting the weight. Uh, it's the it's the process to get there that you know I'm at 13 to 1800 calories a day, and that's I mean, it's you know it's not fun. I walk around at 190 plus, and I'm I'm fairly lean at that at that weight. You know, like I'm not I'm not fat or anything. You know, but uh, I think that uh, what what really did it for me. And I've had I've had people kind of tell me this, like my coach has been big on it for a while now, uh, and, and other people have, have have suggested I do it as well. But for me, the the moment was after my last fight when I fought Alex White. I was sitting there. I thought I won the fight. You know, I won. I won. It wasn't pretty. I won though. Uh, two, arguably three of the rounds, and I was sitting there, and you know they're holding both of our hands and they're about to announce a decision, and I was like, man, I I don't give a damn if I win or lose. I just want to go home. 
You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's a problem. You know what I mean? That's a problem whenever you whenever you no longer care about about winning. You know, whenever you don't care about winning and losing, you're just ready for everything to be done. You know, and I, and I think people say that I'm different. Obviously, at 70, I don't really mentally see the difference, but I'm starting to see the difference in my answers. So, for example, when somebody asks me like, "How are you? You know, how are you feeling five weeks?" At 55, my answer is typically like, "I'm just ready for it to be done and go back to my normal life." You know what I mean? And and my answer at 70 is like, I feel good. You know, I feel good. I, for the first time ever, I feel like an athlete because I've, I've, I've made the decision to go to 70. You know, when I fought Tom, it was at 70, but I was a 55er just not cutting as much weight. I knew I was going to go back down, so I didn't want to lift a ton and, and put on a bunch of weight that I was going to have to cut anyway. Uh, but I was able to add a little bit of muscle. You know, I didn't have a ton of time to do it, but I was able to add, a, I, in my opinion, a noticeable amount of, of muscle. You know, it's not a ton, but it made a difference. Uh, so I think for the first time, I feel like a, an athlete going into a fight. And I know at, at 55, I don't think there's going to be very many people that are as physically dominant as me just because of my height and body mass. But at 70, I'm not, I don't think I'm small, you know. Uh, I, I look around, I see some of the other, you know, I see Ellenberger on the car, I see Barbarina on the card. Uh, I don't feel like those guys are any bigger than me, you know. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, Alves is a is a big welterweight, and I'm I'm excited for that. You know, I, I look forward. I think what intrigues me most about it is whenever I face off my opponent at 55, I usually look down on him. You know, typically lightweights five eight, five nine. I look down on him, and, and mentally in my head, I'm like, no matter what happens, you are not going to be more physically dominant than me. I'm I'm obviously the the bigger the bigger, and I feel stronger there. You know what I mean? At 70. Whenever I, I feel like whenever I look across at Warley, whenever we finally do face off, it's it's going to be my brain that gets me through everything. You know, I won't be as physically dominant, so it's a new challenge to me. You know, and I really, it's kind of got me fired up. You know, it's it's uh, it's new, and I'm I'm excited to be here. You know, and it's uh, it's something different, and I really I really enjoy challenges. It's 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 kind of fired me up again. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of got me going. So I'm I'm excited to be at 70, and I and I feel like I'm going to retire here. You know, I don't I don't think that I'll go back to 55 ever again. You're a student of the game, no question about it, man. Do you think this is like a, a mental thing that maybe athletes need to get over? Because, I mean, every fighter has the same story, right, where the, they hate depleting themselves. It's, yeah. it's a grind. It takes the passion away. But everybody, I think, is afraid to give away that size or strength by moving up a division. Yeah, it's uh, – yes. I mean, a lot of these guys come from wrestling backgrounds, typical in wrestling to do uh, – and it's such a, you know, for me at 55, it was hard because I felt like that was one of my biggest advantages. I'm so much bigger than everybody I fight. But, like, are you really, does that really play, you know, let's say the 10 pounds, let's just say 10 pounds. And that's a big difference, 10 pounds in a weight class. If I'm 10 pounds heavier than the guy, I walked in my last fight at, like, 184, I think, at 55. So I'm big at 55, you know what I mean? Uh, let's just say 10 pounds, even 15 pounds. But am I, am I 10 or 15 pounds heavier and 100%? I didn't feel like I was. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I was fighting people at 55 on 80%, you know, 75%, whatever. And it was good enough. It was good enough. But I just don't, for me, it's to the point, if, if it takes me two months to get down to 55 and I fight three times a year, my six of the 12 months are dog shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, that, that's, not a way to, that's not a way to live. So, like, for me, I'm pretty much trading off uh, quality of life for a little bit of weight and it's a decision that was hard for me to make but I'm 100% good with it and I think once guys like for me the guy that really uh, kind of got me going to it was Masvidal 
we, him and I fought, it was a close fight. He's very size, very similar to me. And uh, he went up, he's doing great at 70, you know, top top 10, you know. So uh, it just tells me that it, it can be done. And I, you're seeing much more much more of it now. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but you know, there's, there's a bunch of guys doing it now. They're doing really well. So I think if we all got together, uh, you know, and, and just, and just did it, you know, I don't know, I don't know the answer. I wish the UFC would do 10 pound weight classes. You know what I mean? It, it's crazy to me that we've been doing this for 25 years now and the sport has evolved, the rules have evolved, uh, the, the training has evolved, everything has evolved, but nobody said like, yo, maybe we should look at this weight class thing. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's something to this, like everything else is kind of changing. Maybe we should at least look at this. Nobody's done that until now, you know what I mean? And, and I don't think it's even gonna happen uh, while I'm still fighting, but my hope is, is for the, uh, for the younger, younger guys coming up, I, I hope it, it changes for them. You touched on one thing, you talked about quality of life and decisions. I, I wanted to ask you, where does fighting rank for you right now in your life? Because I see you a lot yeah. in other people's corners, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I see you coming for contenders fights and for other people's yeah. UFC fights. And it seems like that's something you're really passionate about, right? So so where does fighting rank for you in, in terms of life? And, and of course, you're a family man as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, when you say fighting, you mean competing, like me personally competing? Exactly. Well, right now it's number one because I have a fight on Saturday. But uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy, I've had a lot of fights. I've been fighting pretty consistently for 12 years. And uh, I really, really enjoy coaching it's it's a it's a passion of mine and uh i'm not done fighting yet you know what i mean uh but when i am coaching is is obviously going to be where i'm going to go it's something that i'm super passionate about and i and i feel like i don't know i have no idea when i'm going to be done but i feel like the game is just gonna you know the game is going to tell me uh and i'm not the guy that'll i won't be the guy that It'll take three losses in a row. You know, it'll. It, it's a feeling, I think. You know what I mean? It's a feeling, and it's a it's a drug because it's the highest highs and the lowest lows, and uh, people chase that just like they chase meth or whatever you know, drug of choice is. You know what I mean? It's it is. It's a drug, and uh, it's it's in my opinion the the most difficult sport in the world to quit. So I feel like the second that I get that hint of like maybe you should be done for me that's when I'll cut it you know what I mean that's that's when I'll cut it and uh, I don't know when that is but I feel like the game will tell me and once that happens uh, I'm gonna go you know I'm in coaching already but like I'll I'll go even I'll dive even deeper into that so uh, yeah I mean I enjoy I enjoy competing but I, they're they're very hand in hand for me right now I, I love both of them very much and it's it's difficult to be great at all those things but uh, I uh, I dedicate my life to, to the sport, you know, so uh, you figure it out. You know? <laughs> no doubt. All right. Well, you got this big fight in front of you. Yeah. Give, me, give me that. Worley Owls, uh, hardcore has been following his career. No, tough guy, right? Mm -hmm. Casuals, to be honest, probably don't know that much about him. So when you got the when you got the matchup, I mean, were you okay with it? Were you disappointed? What did you think? Yeah, uh, when I first initially got the matchup, I didn't really like it. It's a tough fight. He has not much notoriety here in the States. And uh, I said this earlier, it's not a shot on him. It's just, you know, he doesn't, he's a Brazilian fighter, one the ultimate fighter. He's got a lot of notoriety in Brazil, just not here. Uh, so, but after diving in deeper, you know, I look at his resume. He's got a win over Covington, Taleb, uh, you know, some other some other guys as well. He's tough, man. He's good. He's really good. He's got a great guillotine, good striking, powerful, uh, and he's he's getting better. He's making adjustments along the way. You know what I mean? So, uh, for me, it's a I really enjoy the challenge. I like kind of be. I feel like I'm like the the. Uh, 
the the David here and the David versus Goliath. You know what I mean? I look at if you know I look at him I'm like that's a big dude. You know, it's, it's I like that though. You know what I mean? And uh, I think I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit more riled up about this fight than I normally am. You know, typically on fire week it's like yeah, it's another fight. I you know I I uh, I'm excited about this one. I really am. I think it's going to be a really good gauge for me to see where I'm at and uh, in this division. Yeah, so what's the goal here, I would ask? I mean, as you said, is it to prove to other people that you belong? Is it to prove to yourself that you belong? Is it to, what, what is the goal here? The, the goal is not to prove anybody to anything. The goal is to, to uh, master my craft, do my profession that I love every day, uh, make a lot of money doing it, and use that money to make money elsewhere and, and get, get the hell out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I want to be able to, I mean, I see some of these guys, golly, I see some of these guys, the older guys that they, they, they couldn't quit the sport. They couldn't quit the drug. I see these guys that can't even tie their damn shoes, man. Like, you know what I mean? They, they can't even form complete sentences sometimes. And I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I want to be, I want to be the guy that quits one fight too early than one fight too late. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll be on the early end. I'm telling you, I will. And, uh, it's the money, you know what I mean? It's 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 easy money. It really is because essentially, you know, it's the easiest money I've ever made in my life. You know, I have to train hard and all that stuff, but I train hard anyway. I train hard without a fight. So, uh, I've said this a thousand times. Typically, your your MMA fighters come from low income families or broken homes or both. You know, and and it's just like, wait a second, you I'm, you're paying me this to to fight? Cool, okay. I, you know, for me, I just don't. Uh, I don't want to be that guy that like I can't even hold a conversation with somebody. I don't want to be the guy that has a hard time tying their shoes, getting out of bed in the morning. Like I just don't. You can't let the sport take your life away. You know what I mean? At that, at that, uh, I dedicate my life to it, but the sport will never take my life. If that makes any sense at all. And I just don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that's the right way to do things. And I think there's so much more to to, to life than this. You know, this doesn't last long. 10 years, 15 years. If you live to be 80, that's, you know, a small portion of your life. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, not trying to rush you out the door, but are no. there things you want to accomplish before you do call it a career? I mean, do world titles mean anything to you? Do do certain matchups, does, does you yeah. know, your your legacy, does yeah. any of that mean anything to I'm you? I'm about to piss my coach off, uh, but I, I don't care about titles. I don't care about rankings. The rankings are bullshit anyway. Uh, I, they don't, they're irrelevant to me. Uh, I want to make money. Uh, have fun. I want to have fun. I love. I love this process. I'm addicted to the process. I'm addicted to the challenge. Uh, man, I I I, I want to win. You know what I mean? Like I want to win, obviously. So like when we say when we say like titles and winning, they're the same thing. Like I don't want to lose. Like nobody wants to lose. So of course I'm trying to challenge myself, and uh, and I think doing that on a regular basis is important, especially for me wanting to dive into coaching when I'm done. Like I I, ha I have to. I need to be a part of this, you know what I mean? I have to know what it's like. I think some of the best coaches in the game uh, train with their guys, you know? You have to be evolving with the sport. You have to feel it. You can't just see it. It's not just visual. You have to feel what's going on. And, uh, but yeah, I, 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 wanna, I wanna compete. I wanna make money. I wanna win. And I wanna have fun. That's, I've been doing this for a long time, man. You gotta have fun. You gotta smell the roses along the way. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, I appreciate all the honesty. How do you see this fight going, man? As you play this thing out in your head, I mean, Orly, as you said, tough guy. You yeah. know, got some great grappling. He's got some power. He, yeah. Uh, maybe some cardio issues from time to time. Yeah. So, I mean, when you play this thing out in your head, how do you see it going? Yeah, I think it's going to be. I, I think that's all dependent on how he plays plays it out. You know, if you watch my last fight, he tries to he tries to pressure me. Uh, 
that's to me that's a black and white statement like you have to you need to finish me in the first round or i'm coming in round two and three uh and especially me jumping up my cardio is going to be better you know i have very minimal weight cut uh i think total i'll be 15 ish pounds you know but like i'm way lower than that now uh but i think if he as of late he's tried to i think he's tried to kind of improve on those cardio issues so he's starting a little bit slower and i think if he does that we'll be kickboxing for a while you know what i mean and uh he's good on the ground he's a great guillotine i'm i have a great guillotine you know i'm good on the ground too so uh I think I think a lot of it's going to be where he's at in the cardio department. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, I I feel like in order for him to win, he needs to finish me. You know, I I, I truly believe that, and uh, I'm not an easy guy to finish. All right, so James Kraus. Admitting, you know, that he does consider what's next, but he still has a lot of passion for what's here, and I just love the way he phrased stuff. You know, like I'm not, I'm not gonna let this game keep me around longer than it should, and you know, talk, talking about how it's easy money. What's kind of funny here is this is the easiest money I've ever made. I mean, you think about what these guys do for a living; and it's it's crazy. Um, but it, it is the the money does come in in nice chunks, you know. Um, takes a while to work up there you know you're not making a ton of money right off the bat but you know it, it does start to add up a little bit as as you move your way through the ranks so um interesting to see what happens there uh listen i i seriously could break down every fire on this card i love it i love it uh yuri alcantara versus Corey sanhagen marcus perez versus andrew sanchez marcus perez uh, he, he looks like a dangerous dude man i think he's still a little bit raw around the edges but i love it andrew sanchez hilarious I walked to my first guy here the other day. I, I uh, needed to, to go use the restroom real quick because I had just taken that Uber from Omaha. And I go into the bathroom, and he's in the in the bathroom, which is like, I don't know, it looked like a single-blade razor just touching up his uh, beard. It was hilarious. He's in there. I don't think he had any shaving cream, man. He was doing real man style, just some, some hot water and a single-blade razor, like trying to trim up his neck a little bit because it was time for his photos. And he's like, I don't know. I didn't think about it. He's like, I never shaved. So uh, that was my first first greeting with with Andrew Sanchez this week Mickey Gall versus George Sullivan uh Mickey Gall I still think he's somebody to watch man I do I think he's talented and I think he's going to continue to develop uh, I know he's just coming off a loss um but but I think he's still somebody to keep an eye on I, I was really surprised he was on the FS2 prelims here um you know he's he's moved out to the west coast he's training with different people um just to kind of keep getting new looks uh there was a had an interview with him earlier this week too that's on YouTube if you want to check it out but I still think he's somebody you want to keep an eye on and interesting you know, George Sullivan, uh, you know, I, th I thought, hey, you know, is this somebody you, you knew much about? And he said, yeah, you know, George Sullivan, I knew him a lot, man. He came from my local scene, and um, I watched him all the time, man. He was a local champion in my area, and, and he was a guy that I kind of looked up to and said, I'm going to be that guy someday. And now he's fighting him. So, you know, potential kind of passing of the torch type fight. The fight pass prelims, I love the fight pass prelims. Joanne Calderwood versus Kalindra Fajia uh, in the featured one there. Uh, JoJo basically living out in Vegas now. I had a chance to speak to her. Uh, she's been out there since March, uh, training at the Performance Institute, training with Syndicate MMA as well. So she's made a, a lot of changes to her to her diet, to her lifestyle, um, and, and believes that it's finally all come together. She's also getting to fight at 125, which she always used to look miserable trying to make 115, but 135 was obviously too big for her. Um, so she finally gets to fight in that 125 sweet spot. She thinks this is going to be uh, a fun week. So uh, I like that. Drew Dober versus John Tuck. 
John Tuck, by the way, Brian Ortega out here rolling with John Tuck all week. There, you know, Tuck rolls with him quite a bit. So uh, anxious to see that fight. And then Luke Saunders, or excuse me, Luke Sanders versus Hani Yaya uh, is, I think, potentially a fun fight as well stylistically. Um, you know, Luke has some skills, but has had some setbacks. Hani Yaya, a guy who's been fighting forever and is a specialist to say the least. Man, he he, he does you know one thing tremendously well. Um, but man, the guy's been doing it forever. So, uh, again, I, I, I quit bothering you, but I like this fight card. I do. I got fingers crossed, man. I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, listen, I did want to say one thing real quick. Bellator 204 was last week. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, the story was definitely all in terms of clicks was James Gallagher all week long. No traffic about it or no question about it. Biggest traffic guy by far, uh, despite the fact that Darian Caldwell, a champion, was there. Um, and, and, and despite the fact that he was trying to start a two-title run of his own, it was James Gallagher leading in, and it was James Gallagher leading out, man. And, and, and people took a lot of pride in him getting knocked out. And uh, I don't know. I just want to say uh, I respect James Gallagher. I really do for throwing it out there, man. The young kid, and a lot of people say, oh, he's just a, a Conor McGregor clone. And, and maybe that's true, you know, but there's a lot worse people to pattern yourself after uh, if you've worked side-by-side side with him, man. You've seen the successes that he's had both in the cage and uh, in, in the financial realm as well. So I respect Gallagher for putting it out there, man, for being that cocky guy, for being that brash guy. I know it rubs some people the wrong way, and I, and I totally get why, but it makes people tune in. It's 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 no guts, no glory. You know what I'm saying? you got to put yourself out there in order to get people to care about you. And that doesn't mean you have to talk trash. It doesn't mean you have to act the way he does, but you got to do something. you got to put yourself out there, and he did that. And a lot of people reveled in his defeat. And I think that's okay, too. I won't tell you not to do that. I mean, if he's if he's willing to try to rub you the wrong way, I think it's your right as a fan, especially, to, to, to revel in and in, in, in bask in the glory when he does lose. But I just would say, you know, I guess still try to have some healthy respect for him. Even if you enjoy seeing him lose, have some respect for what he's doing. Has some respect for the guts that he has, not just to get in the cage, but to put himself out there like that. Because in order, in order to to get that notoriety, especially you know Bellator, you know they've got to try even harder. They've got less of a spotlight than the UFC does, and for him to get the kind of numbers that he was getting and to get the kind of attention he was getting, um, you know he's got a bright future ahead of him. He's he's, he's got a lot of time left, um, and and, and man, uh, Bandejas as well. F- f- I like that kid, man. He he handled the business. I liked him, but uh, so I don't want to take away anything from Dejas, who deserves a ton of credit and a ton of shine as well. But I just want to say I respect James Gallagher for for putting himself out there like that. So anyway, listen, uh, I've been rambling long enough. You're probably tired of hearing my voice, and I'd like to go have some frosty beverages. Well, some more frosty beverages. <laughs> I am having a little little Coors Light here in the room this evening. Uh, but I'm gonna run downstairs and have a, have a frosty beverage or two, and then. Early weigh-ins tomorrow. No ceremonial weigh-ins, but we'll have all that stuff at MMA Junkie. So we will keep everything rolling along here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And let me just say to all of you, thanks for listening.